Welcome to the best of the lens from our very first year. The lens is all about exploring the future of work and responsible business from different perspectives and across different generations. It's also about zooming into specific projects and understanding what makes them work. This podcast is created by Business in the Community and it's powered by Fujitsu, supported by McCann. In this special edition, we'll cover cybersecurity, gender equality in the workplace, the importance of mental health in business, and our guests will share their top career advice and tips. Let's crack on with the highlights. My first guest today is Duncan Tate. He sits on the main board of Fujitsu and he leads its business in Europe, the Middle East, India, Africa and the Americas. Welcome, Duncan. Thank you very much, Ollie. It's a pleasure to be here. In terms of what you're looking for, I've read your thinking on this, around this thought that we must learn to learn. And what struck me about what you've said on this is that it's not just about those STEM subjects that we hear so much about. It's a lot more than that, isn't it? So in particular... What are you drawn to when you're looking for talent? Well, so, so the work we, we've done takes us out to 2030. So um, although the world is changing so dramatically, you have to take a longer-term perspective on things. So in 2030, how do things look? We looked at all the world's mega train, trends like uh, ageing population, dramatic rise in AI, the death of distance, you know, all the major trends. We ranked them by probability and impact. And then... What does those impacts mean? And actually, there's some really bad scenarios we could draw, by the way. There's some really, really frightening scenarios. And you're not afraid to go into them in that No, no, we should be be very frank and open about them. You know, AI could throw a whole bunch of people out of work in developed economies and won't do, and if we're not careful, will not help developing economies. But I have said before, I'm an optimist about technology and I'm an optimist about responsible businesses. And we can, I think, if we work together across governments, educators and businesses, we can create a different future, Mm. one where we create high-value jobs. So the question is, what do you need to do now? And this comes down to your skills point. It's not just about science, technology, engineering and mathematics, which I think people would normally say in a digital world you need STEM subjects. Actually, we need creative people. Um, We need people who haven't done the degrees in mathematics. You know, it might be history or medieval studies who can rethink creatively. And then, of course, we need people who can deal with people. Because although the world is becoming very digital, clearly, people are so important and you need to be able to deal with people. Now joining me in the studio is Amanda McKenzie, Chief Executive of Business in the Community and someone who has worked in a number of organisations, including Aviva, BT, HP and many more. Amanda, welcome. Thank you. Go back to your former self on the first day of BT and give a piece of practical advice. What would that have been about getting stuff done in big organisations? Don't accept any bureaucracy. Be respectful of process because often it's there for a very good reason. But don't blindly accept it. Um, And don't be, um, what's the word, cowed, if you like, Mm. by... Uh, the sort of the way people play seniority, suppose, which is a, is a big problem in big companies still, I think. I, I suppose getting that balance wrong, um, you could get lab- labelled a troublemaker, but perhaps that wouldn't have bothered you. Um, <laughs> um, maybe a change maker, maybe, yes. a, a, you know, something like that, a cultural pioneer or something rather than a troublemaker, but probably a troublemaker. And yes, I guess I wouldn't have minded that either. On yeah. the assumption that the output was was 
the right answer. And I think as long as you hopefully respect people on the way, no matter how good anybody is, and again, I'm not relating it to me, you know, you have to be respectful of people around you because everyone has a contribution. I think it's a fascinating blend though, isn't it? Because we always hear about these words around disruptive and innovative and entrepreneurial. And yet in the right context, that's wonderful. In the wrong context, it, it hacks a lot of people off. And I, and I think there's also a role for the leaders in an organisation to spot those people and ensure that their motivation's in the right place um, and somehow help their journey slightly. And I've noticed over the years the best leaders are able to do that and make and find that balance and somehow help it happen. My guests today are Dame Inga Beale, Chief Executive of Lloyds of London, and Charlotte Evans, who's in the cyber underwriting team at Axis Capital. Dominga, Charlotte, let's have a, a wider conversation about this as an area, as an industry, if I can call it that, is evolving. Help, help us get a handle on it. Yeah, well, the cyber insurance market is still relatively new, but it is one of the fastest growing areas of insurance. Just last year, there was around $3 trillion in cyber-related losses. One of the big changes that we're seeing is that companies have more value these days in their intangible assets. So it's things like their data, their intellectual property, their brand and reputation. And it's these areas that are grossly underinsured. Companies seem to be still more concerned with insuring their physical assets. So one of the cases I always think about is with Saudi Aramco, which is one of the world's largest oil companies. And they were hacked back in 2012. And within a matter of hours, this virus had spread through their systems and wiped over 35,000 computers. So they were immediately brought to a standstill, forced to use typewriters and fax machines. And it just goes to show there was no physical damage, but they were still brought to a complete standstill. So I wonder, um, when we're talking about cyber, a listener might think, well, actually... I am being protected by these forces around me, my company, by the government and so on. Um, Are they right? And are there things on an individual level we can do to minimise our own risk? Inga? Absolute diligence on everything. I, I mean, even just today, I received an email that looked so valid. It just made me think because it asked me to click on something. So I immediately sent it off to the IT security team and they said, "Uh uh-uh, that's sending you off to a dodgy link. Don't, whatever you do, click on it. Yes, it was a a so-called phishing attack. Yes, we can all do something to to protect ourselves. But from a business point of view as well, a lot of the incidents are actually those accidental clicks by employees. Mm. Just a pure mistake. All we need to do is actually give some training, give people the knowledge, do some testing, get them really aware about what they should look out for. Yeah, it does make me wonder, Charlotte, whether you see certain claims that you think, well, look, this could have been avoided. My guests today are Ashok Vaswani, who runs Barclays in the UK, and Charlotte Blackmore, who is with Fujitsu, and on their graduate programme, she was one of their graduates of the year. Charlotte, welcome. Hello. Charlotte, you're amazingly... um you know, you're, you're, you're doing really, really well. You're an amazing young lady. What advice would you give to others who are, you know, maybe just three or four years behind you in uh, university? How should What should they be doing? I think the main thing that I'd say is recognise the skills that you have and the skills that, for, uh, that your university course are giving you that aren't necessarily the ones that you need for um, a job. I'm, I'm quite against this idea that certain jobs require certain degrees. Some do, yeah, you, if you want to be a chemistry researcher, you need to be able to work with chemicals. Um, but for things like a project management course, I think you can do that whatever degree you've done. 
And university gives you a lot of other skills that you perhaps don't realise. Um, and it's to bring those out into an interview and go, actually, yeah, if I want to work in tech, I'm going to go and work in tech. And if I can't get the role that I want, then I'll start in another role and I'll jump and I'll do and I'll move sideways and move up. That's really admirable what you did. Uh, it's, it's, it is very brave to say, you know, I've studied this, but I'm going to do this and I'm determined to do this. And you've done it. So more power to you. My first guest today is Scott Gardner, the UK and Ireland CEO of global technology company Cisco. Welcome, Scott. What else happens when people are disconnected, when they can't get connected to what they want, what they need? Yeah, I mean, you have to think through, um, uh, I think, your own life. Um, increasingly, uh, more of our interaction with companies, government services and um, friends and family has become through um, internet-based or digital technologies. Um, for those that don't have good connectivity, they start to become increasingly disenfranchised from that shift that's happening in, in the world today. Um, and that means lack of opportunity for them. Um, and it means, um, you know, lack of connection and, and lack of opportunity to generate new uh, new jobs because actually we know uh, as we move forward through digital technologies most of the future jobs probably have an exceptionally strong digital content a piece of advice to your former self scott go back whether that's to yourself at birmingham uni or maybe even before what would you say probably take more risks be bold um you know as um, as you become older, I think you, you worry less about, about these things. And to my earlier self, I'd say um, take more risks and uh, be, probably have uh, greater self-belief in, in those early days. My first guest today is Jacqueline de Rocas, who is the president of Tech UK, the trade association of tech companies in the UK. She also sits on the board of companies including Rightmove and Costain. Welcome, Jacqueline. Hello, and thank you for having me. You've been very open about some of the challenges you've faced, and in particular, a decision you took to leave a company that refused, I can hardly believe um, what I'm reading here, but refused to have women on their leadership team. Yes. Was it as crude as that in terms of that company's position, and what happened? Well, I had a very uh, strong career. It was a great training ground, and I learned a lot from this business. But when it came to the country leadership position, I was up for, I put myself forward for the position against um, a man. And I was running 20 times the size of business that he was running. I had 20 times the number of people and he got the job. And I did ask for feedback and they did say, Jacqueline, we simply don't put women on the leadership team. That feedback was given to you, that outrageous feedback was given to you internally and privately. Clearly no company would say that today. Do you ever suspect that any companies, even in 2018, would think it? I do think that. I think, again, I agree, it's gone a little bit underground, I'm sure. Do I think, though, that mindsets are shifting around how diversity can create better business outcomes? I definitely think the needle is shifting in that direction because the markets we serve are so diverse. We have to have a diverse workforce. So common sense prevails, I think. But I do think people are sometimes conditioned by their own upbringings, as we all are. And we have unconscious bias, conscious bias as well sometimes, but a lot of unconscious bias, which prevents diversity often. 
And when you're looking out at an audience and you're speaking about the business benefits of diversity, you must sometimes think, look, I'm preaching to the choir here. So my question, Jacqueline, is who doesn't get it? Where are the battles still to be fought? Uh, Where would you go? Well, I think I'd have to say fish rots from the head down. We have to go right to the top of businesses. We need more diversity at the top of businesses. That's not just gender, by the way. You were talking about mental health earlier. And actually, I do think that we need more people who understand not just the obviously uh, disabling issues that stop people working well in businesses, but the things that you can't see that stop people being as able in terms of people in, in our industry. Mm. And, I, and I suspect that there is still a stigma about speaking openly about one's own mental health challenges. Yes, of course. And it helps when people like Prince Harry talk about it in such uh, transparent terms. We have to make sure that it's socially acceptable to have those conversations out loud. I'm joined today by Hannah Stanley-Jones from Anglian Water Group. Hello, Hannah. Hello. Welcome. Hannah, I'm very conscious that today uh, I'm here with you in the studio, but listening to us is your chief executive, Peter Simpson. He is. Did you, did you know that? I did. I, I <laughs> just about see him through the glass, kind of. So um, particularly for people who listen to The Lens who are just coming into the sort yeah. of world of work, any, any tips, any advice, any techniques, any stuff you wish you'd known to have, I guess, um, uh, sort of a, a greater number of good days, uh, stuff, stuff you wish you'd done? I think, I don't think, I, I don't ever look back and think, oh, I wish I'd done that and not done that, but... Mm-hmm. I suppose if I was looking back and talking to myself as at the start of my career, I would just say, don't don't limit yourself and don't um, don't have too many preconceptions about what it is your your you know you want to achieve because actually sometimes you you think it's one thing you want to do and you might do that for a couple of years and actually then you think oh I'm going to do something else and 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 you don't really know where that's going to take you so you just have to kind of go with it a little bit and and take those opportunities that at the time seem really scary and you think well I'd never be able to do that but okay I'll give it a go yeah. and actually when you give it a go you, you can do it and you often surprise yourself of what you're, what you're capable of so that would be my, my advice Now joining me in the studio is Lorena Poika who is the Chief Executive and Founder of I Am Why I Am which is the name of a brilliant company but also a foundation uh, Welcome Lorena. Thank you Ollie a pleasure to be here. Ah. Uh, healthier companies, more successful companies? Or are those two completely separate, Lorena? Is there any any sort of thinking on this? Absolutely. I mean, some of the first um, corporate health improvement programs were launched in the US. They tend to be ahead on on this, and it was over 25 years ago, that showed 40% higher um, profit, which is huge um, for companies that have significantly healthier employees. Really? And um, that's been 20 years ago. My guests today are Ivan Beckley and Vivian Hunt. And Vivian runs McKinsey in the UK and Ireland. Vivian, Ivan, welcome. It's very nice to see you both. Now, um, I want you to have the chance to ask each other questions. You've heard something about each other's roles and lives, and I know you've um, done some homework before today. Ivan, anything you wanted to ask Vivian? Yes. I find huge inspiration from your journey, Vivian. So it would be really interesting to hear how do you approach being able to be in a role where, you know, you deliver and you execute that role really well, but you also have visions for change in an organisation. How do you go about doing that? 
I think there are two parts to any journey. One is your own apprenticeship and learning. That's about learning the skill set, building your capabilities, and only then once it's robust, once you have a point of view, then can you scale. How do you have the ambition to scale has two parts to it. First is always a dream. There's a wish to try and improve something or move the needle. And that's important in today's world because if you think about the theme for the uh, Davos World Economic Forum this year, it's about how do we face the challenges of living in a more fractured and fragmented world. You have to have a vision for something that's an improvement. You have to have some dream, something that gets you up in the morning that even if people think you're a little crazy, mm. invites you to and gives you the motivation to keep working on it. And then secondly, you need a system. You need help and capabilities to deliver it. Yeah. I always call my colleagues and work with a team of people with different skills so that we can take the kernel of a good idea, what you're doing now with Limitless, and help it scale to something certainly beyond what any one person could do. My first guest today is Dame Helena Morrissey, who's Head of Personal Investing at Legal and General Investment Management. Dame Helena, welcome. Thank you. Um, you'll be known to many listeners of The Lens as the founder of The 30% Club. Now, that was started in... 2010, when FTSE 100 boards were made of just 12.5% women. So just mm. give us a very brief snapshot. What has changed? But then I'd love to ask you a little bit more mm. about digging into the organisation itself and what worked and frankly, what didn't as well. So these days we're up to about 28% women on FTSE company boards. And then if you looked at the next 250 companies, actually the progress has been even faster from a lower base. So only about 7% of directors were women back in 2010. And now again, it's in the mid-20s percent. But to be honest, more importantly, the mindset has shifted. Because when um, I started the 30% Club, this was definitely perceived as a women's issue. This was something about sort of fairness for women. It was addressing one underrepresentation of women. But now I think it's very much seen as just part of a modern boardroom that you need, and not just more women, but more diverse perspectives, more diverse people from all different backgrounds. Yeah, and you started in very practical terms, writing handwritten letters to FTSE 100 chairmen, mm. typically, bar one at the time. And uh, the response you got was not always positive. So my question is, what did you do when you got those negative responses? Change minds or move on? I moved on, really. Um, and I moved on in one sense because I, I downed my pen. I wasn't <laughs> going to carry on with that thankless task. Um, and the letters were pretty hostile. And it, again, I think it showed the sense at the time um, that actually this was seen as a women's issue and not a business issue. But I didn't give up, obviously. Um, what I did was I realised I needed another way through and actually enlisted the support of many of those other chairmen who were enlightened and who saw this as part of the modernisation of the boardroom. And actually they enlisted their peers and it was really very instrumental. I, I could see how to affect change much more um, effectively from their role, in fact, than, than my flawed attempt to do it. Um, but we were partners and one of the things that I realised was we can make much more progress with men and women working together than if women are sort of fighting against men uh, and being militant in any way. That was The Lens, hosted by me, Holly Barrett. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and subscribe in iTunes and you'll get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. The Lens is a business in the community programme supported by Fujitsu. Today's episode is produced and directed by Harvey Winter with production management by Charlie Gibb. Music and editing by Adam Smythe. Our executive producer is Sergio Lopez. Until next time, goodbye.